This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with 10-year NFL veteran and Chiefs ambassador, Sean Barber, a.k.a. Barbershop, a.k.a. Shop, a.k.a. the Spider-Man, a.k.a. Spidey. We just add nicknames as we go (laughs) along. This edition of the Defending the Kingdom is December football, Denver week, and what this means. And, Shop, we're going to start talking here because the win in Foxborough now for this Kansas City Chiefs football team facing a rival in December. But let's take Kansas City first. Everything is in front of this team. Even the one seed's in play. But you got to take care of your own business. Definitely. Taking care of business, uh, having an opportunity to come back home after uh, being you know, battle-tested week in and week out. Um, I, I kind of think about that as a player. Do you, you know, how do you want to enter the last uh, month of the season? Uh, would you rather be undefeated and really haven't been challenged and not really knowing who you are? Or would you rather be a team with, you know, took a couple of lickings, took a couple of bruises, maybe uh, have a couple of broken bones, but uh, playing some of the best of the best all year long um, and still have an opportunity to get a, a, you know, one or two seat. I mean, I, I think the battle tested team is the one that has more confidence in his ability to go anywhere, play anywhere, play any place and still survive playoff football. Again, a reminder that the Defending the Kingdom, as well as our podcast network, brought to you by 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of you have asked us to try to send it to you during the podcast. That ain't going to work. But it is great for your tailgate coming up this weekend or for your holidays. Again, that's 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting that you talk about definition. I talked with Eric Bieniemy this week, Chiefs offensive coordinator. Let's take the Chiefs offense first. I think we've seen some definition from this team uh, barbershop from some unaccustomed places. Like last year was 350-yard passing games and five touchdowns, and, hey, we're winning our fantasy league. What excites me most about this Chiefs offense over the past month is they've played in all kinds of conditions, and they've grinded it out. This yeah. has not been pretty, but to me, and Eric Bianami told me the thing I was – I mean, he kind of validated what I was thinking. If you're going to win in the playoffs, you're going to win in December – you're going to have to grind it out. There's nothing pretty about it. What have you seen, though? I know you've seen what I'm seeing from this offense in showing just a little bit of grit and toughness and doing what they have to do. I think we've seen some guys really step up um, to the call. We've seen some guys who, at the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody you know, really knew that um, the offense was going to count for six touchdowns um, from a, a, wide, a rookie wide receiver from Georgia. I don't think that anybody thought that Kelsey was going to be on the verge of breaking – uh, so many uh, tight end historic records. I don't think anybody would have seen or the depth of our offensive line being tested by missing so many quarters of having our starters out there. Um, obviously, I don't think anybody would have thought that uh, Matt Moore would have had, you know, two games under his belt going into the season. And then, you know, not to harp on it, but the amount of running backs we've we've constantly had to go through uh, to get to a point now we've actually had to bring Spencer Ware back into the fold, um, IRing one of the Williams and now relying on Thompson, a rookie, to uh, be be you know be be one of the uh, bell cows in our backfield. Um, all in all, um, I think a lot of uh, unusually uh, unusual suspects have been counted on to play a a big role in this offense. And a couple things too to accentuate what you're saying is Eric Fisher's been warring up. He's been fighting this groin injury. 
And, I mean, he's warriored up the last couple of weeks. And the other is adding Spencer Ware. I, I'm encouraged by it because he's a pile mover. Now third and two, you're, he'll just move a pile for two and a half yards. Uh, and he brings a certain mentality to the offensive, not only running back room, but the whole offensive room that I think lends itself to winning December football and possibly in January. Yeah, I think early on everybody saw we, we added LaShawn McCoy and they thought, okay, they have LaShawn McCoy, another weapon, Damian Williams. We already know what Kelsey and Hill does. They got um, – um, another, they have you know Demarcus Robinson and and um, other wide receivers that can Sammy Watkins, you know Pringles, and Pringles added to so so it looked like a plethora of of weapons for Andy to use, and you 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 you, you superimpose that on the offensive last year, and you get forty five points a game. No way anybody's gonna stop us. They out the gate, watch the Chiefs roll. But then as the season wears on, you realize an injury here, a tweak here. This guy's out. Now this guy's out. Now this guy has to step up. Now we're looking for who's going to be the next uh, number two wide receiver, who's going to be our uh, next running back to actually start the game. Um, every places, the offense, every, everybody has to step up a little bit and understand their role in the offense. Like you're saying, it hasn't been shootouts every game. Um, it's been we need uh, um, important first downs, First downs, keep the possession. Let's keep the uh, uh, let's keep the clock. Let's get a field goal right before half. Um, all in all, I would say our offense is more effective. It's 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 packing more of an impact and punch than it did last year. Even though the scoreboard isn't lit up, we we're not seeing the forties and the fifties and all those kind of things. I think the the, the way the game is flowed. Um, through our offense is a more effective offense um, than we had this year than we even had last year. To your point, two great examples in the game in Foxborough. Late in the second quarter, uh, last year in the game in Foxborough, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. This year at the end of the second quarter, he took the Chiefs from their own 13 That's right. to the Denver 13 and got a field goal. Now it's 20-7 to seven at half, and you're not giving Brady or that offense any snaps to get anything at the end of the second quarter for the most part. It squeezed down the game. Then you start the third quarter, and you go for six minutes and 14 seconds, exactly. and you put another three on the board. Okay, you want a seven, you know, save the tweets, but – you take six fourteen off the clock and add a three. Now it's twenty three to seven, and there's they're running out of time. If yeah. they don't get the block punt, that could be a blow up. Man, and, the, and the most important part about that is you can't you can't you don't have hindsight. Hindsight is twenty one. You you can't look back and say it would have could have. But at that point of the game, up twenty to seven, you know the most important thing at that point is time of possession. The six minutes of the drive is more important than the extra four points you would have got from a touchdown. Yeah. So I would have rather had a six-minute drive and get a field goal than a two-minute drive and get a touchdown. I'm feeling you. I was, I, I'm, I'm with you all the way. And fans are going, well, i got to win my fantasy. <laughs> yeah, well, no, just, yeah just, this ain't fantasy no, here. No, we're trying to win the reality game <laughs> in Foxborough. Okay, our first quarter of this Defending the Kingdom podcast, which is December football dash um, Denver week, is deals with the Stanford defense. We're going to get to Drew Locke here as we go to the second quarter. But it's interesting how Drew Locke's play on offense seems to have energized this Denver defense. Yeah. They had 10 takeaways in the first 11 weeks of the season. Since Drew Locke has been out there, they've had five takeaways in the last two games. And we know some of these cast of characters, they're coming in here kind of full of some sass. Uh, they want to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I can tell you firsthand that the defensive mentality when you had, um, you know, with Flacco there, you knew if you – played loose, gave up 13 points and a half, that the, the game might have been over. It was, it was such an unlikelihood of their offense putting up points that the defense had to play so tight, so wound up. Um, um, any, any point mattered. They couldn't really just 
go back and let their, you know, let, you know, a pin in ears back and go after somebody. But now with Drew Locke, that swagger he has that, hey, guys, listen, go out there and play defense. When we get the ball back, we'll do what we got to do. I can, we can run the ball, pass the ball. We can do whatever we got to do. Um, so I want you all to go out there and play uh, carefree and just get after the other team. And that's what we've been seeing the last two weeks. This defense has been re-energized, and it's kind of they've had a, a, a breath of fresh air. They're, they're playing now like a, the Denver that we expected them to play, uh, the interjection of, of Vic Fangio coming to a defense that was already a great defense, and he's able to bring some other tweaks to it. Uh, they're getting after people in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good pace. I'm over the last two weeks. Yeah, and still Von Miller, still Chris Harris Jr. Uh, still, you look at the you know, the safety Justin Simmons. They've oh yeah, that guy's been. Yeah, he's been yeah. playing. Simmons is a good player. All right, now let's go to the second quarter here of our Defending the Kingdom podcast. It is December Football Dash Denver Week, and those two have dual definitions. But when you slug them together, you realize how important this game is. Now let's go to the opposite side of the ball, and uh, we're going to talk about Drew Locke in just a second. But I want to talk about this Chiefs defense overall, Yeah, no matter who they're playing. I got so excited in the game in Foxborough. I was watching the tape on the play home. This is in your bailiwick shop. But I thought the run fits for this defense was the best maybe I've seen in the seven years of Andy Reid being here. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And it started up front. I mean, any linebacker would tell you they would never take credit for the rushing game. They're not going to take credit for that we stopped the rushing game because we know how hard it is for those guys up, up front maintaining your gap, getting penetration, uh, being able to, you know, relieved off a double team and still make plays in the backfield. Our guys up front, no matter about the play calls we saw, the trick plays, the flea flickers, those type of things, every time that ball was handed off, the, the New England running back was having to change direction, go lateral, uh, right when he got the handle. We, we had so much penetration by, uh, by Noddy and Sanders at the point of attack, Chris Jones at the point of attack, uh, Frank Clark coming off the edge, uh, Passano coming off the edge. Those guys, were, we were making a living two and three yards in the backfield on every play, whether it was run or pass. That mandated. They had to go to a, a trick play. It wasn't that they chose to it. They didn't do it on their own accord. They had to go to a trick play because they saw how much penetration our guys up front was getting on their offensive line. They knew it was going to be a long day. Yeah, and you know, if a team has to go to a trick play later in the game, it's not early on like that, then you know you kind of got it. You got him. (laughs) Hey, you got a big play on us, but you're going to do that again. Uh, The other thing, Alex Okafor, Damone Harris, all those guys, seven guys with the run fits. The other thing that was impressive, and talking to Frank Clark after the game, but then talking to the DBs all throughout this week in preparation for this Denver game, it's now yin and yang, meaning the guys up front have said, wait a minute, our coverage at times Mm -hmm. has been so good, it's allowing us to get sacks. Then the secondary is going, wait a minute, they're getting pressure, just like the, the game where Spag sends eight against Brady in that last play that allows Breland to knock down the pass intended for Edelman. But now you have Ying and Yang, both sides, both those guys. And Frank Clark said, that's our twin brother back there. My twin brother is a secondary. So when you get that rolling, that seems to me very important. I talked to Spags about it this week. He says, we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Yeah, the, the trust and communication on all three levels is so uh, like you're saying, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial agreement. As a secondary guy, if you want me to play press coverage, you want me to really be aggressive, take away quick throws so that you have more time to get to the quarterback. And then up front, 
you want me to play solid coverage to create that amount of time for me to get to the quarterback. So it's, it's a win-win situation. If, if our front line comes off like demons and, and, and create immediate pressure, it allows the guys in the secondary to have the confidence to really stay with their leverage, stay with their coverage, stay with their techniques a little bit longer, knowing the ball has to come out so I don't have to uh, bite on double moves and be uh, overly aggressive. I know, I know that the guy's going to get there. And then guys up front knowing that they just keep coming, keep coming. Our guys are going to sell out on the back end to, to maintain that, to make sure that quarterback doesn't get rid of the ball fast. And that leads to them getting pressures and quarterback hurries. So as you, you, see, you see how that, that agreement between the, you know, the levels all works on one accord. And I think that's the one thing that Coach Spags has been preaching to these guys. You have to trust and communicate. You have to have faith in one another for this to work. It's how, I mean, it's how Marty Schottenheimer transformed the franchise. He had to lay Derek Thomas and Neil Smith rushing, but he had those good DBs on the back end when he had, we first came here, Kevin Ross and Cherry and those guys and Albert Lewis. Uh, so that's the way it works. All right, now the real spicy thing about this game, not only is it December football, there's tons on the line. It's Denver week. Yes, that's sir. always good. But now here comes the local kid, Drew Locke, who played high school football at least. Some and his dad played for Andy at the University of Missouri, Coach Reed at the University of Missouri. Uh, Drew at the University of Missouri was was a thing. Now he's here, and he has been outstanding. Let's just give you two areas in the last two games. One has been third down. Denver, prior to Drew Locke being the quarterback, was 30th in the league. Only two teams were worse on third down conversions. Since Drew Locke has taken over in the past two weeks against the Chargers and last week at the Texans, Drew Locke and the uh, Broncos are 12 of 23 on third down. Mm. The other one is the red zone. Uh, prior to Drew Locke playing quarterback, Broncos were tied for 25th in the league. 50% red zone touchdown ratio. Locke, 5 of 7 in the red zone the last two weeks. Okay, those are numbers that get your attention. And when you start watching some video of Drew, you start to see the good parts of him at Mizzou and Lee's Summit. This is an interesting game. If nothing else, here comes the local kid with the big arm, and he's revitalized a rival. Yeah, it seems like the Broncos are doing a great job of just keeping it simple for him, mm-hmm. uh, letting them maybe just read half the field. Um, hey, I'm either going to Cortland Sutton, or I'm going to Noah Fant, or it's a check down. I'm, I'm not spending time trying to go to the other side of the field. I'm going to look one way. Wherever your coverage tells me to look, I'm going to look that way. I got three receivers over there. I'll throw it to the one that's – uh, you know, has the greatest chance of catching it. And that sounds like it, it should be something that's simple before a young quarterback with so many things to worry about, pre-snaps and, 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 and uh, blitz pressure pickup, uh, changing the formation, uh, making hot reads. It seems like Denver is maybe taking some of that stuff out of his hands, letting him really simplify it and say, hey, you know, like, like just run the play. Let's get it a positive play. Let's keep ourselves – uh, fundamentally out of long downs. Let's stay from being behind the chains. We don't want third and longs. We don't want second and tens. First down, let's get positive yardage. Uh, second down, we want to take a chance, but let's make sure that we keep that third down under third and six, under third and seven, uh, so we can keep his uh, completion rate up. We can keep the chains moving. That momentum game, it, it plays both ways, and I think offensively it seems like the Denver Broncos under uh, Drew Locke have simplified things, uh, become a more aggressive offense with downhill runs, I'm uh, not not trying to do do too many trickums, but just just being you know really really uh, focused on positive football uh, runs passes, uh, short and controlled, and then every once in a while they'll go up top to Sutton uh, down the seam for no offense uh, when they think you're overplaying some of the short stuff. Talked to Spags earlier this week too. The thing about Sutton. And Fant and Drew Locke has the ability, like Patrick Mahomes, they're going to place in the javelin, right? That yeah. ball's going downfield. And the thing with Sutton, he's 6'4", 
Fant is 6'4", and they both can run. So you got the tall target that can run, which creates its own unique issues. That's right. It creates a great issue because even in good coverage, if the ball's in the right place with tall receivers, their, uh, their wingspan, their, their catch radius is so great, it, it allows that bucket. We talk about a bucket a quarterback aims at to throw in, you know, 35 yards down the field right outside the numbers. Well, when you have guys that are 6'4", that bucket becomes as big as a, a truck tire. Uh, the, 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 the radius you have to, to you know, be correct, and especially when it's just man coverage, you're not worrying about an interception. It's your guy gets it or it's an incomplete. Um, those 50-50 balls, he's been thrown up to his guys uh, when given the chance, and those guys have been doing a great job of, of backing their quarterback up and coming down with those plays. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me that he uh – commercial for the golf where they got the big you play in the crazy golf tournament oh. they got the big <laughs> golf hole right yeah that's yeah. what he's been throwing that's what into it's like that's his that's his catch radius uh, of his receivers Sutton and fan all right it's halftime in this edition of defending the kingdom which is december football dash denver week a lot of you have uh, contacted me and said you perfected the one second halftime being able to take care of your bodily functions you know in the nfl it's 12 minutes uh but in these podcasts it's one second you've learned how to peel an orange it's amazing how some of you have trained yourself so here we go halftime Good. Way to go. Uh, It's impressive what you're doing. We haven't spent a ton of time on defending the kingdom this year on special teams, but let's jump into this now uh, because we've seen this kind of go all over the board. And last week there was the block punt that really kind of flipped the game on the Chiefs. Otherwise, they might have blown out the Patriots. Now, the Patriots have been doing this. they got four block punts this year. The rest of the league total has five. But in special teams, the communication, December football, whether it's the return game or the coverage game or the communication game. December football so many times in the 100-year history of this league is decided by something in special teams. It can be that razor thin. Yeah, we talk about every drive in a, in a game, I, I, and we talk about it from a defense standpoint. Um, but offensively, you want to end up every drive with a kick. Some, some, way, some, fa- some way, somehow, a kicker's foot should be on the ball at the end of an offensive drive, whether you punt the ball, kick a field goal, or kick an extra point. Those are the three ways you want to end a drive. Any other way is a positive for the defense. Um, and when we have a chance to punt the ball away and gain 40 yards of uncharted yardage to, to create long fields, a, a missed snap, a misstep, miscommunication about whether it was a fake or not, those things come up to bite you, and it, it costs us seven points. And then the game that ended up being a seven-point game at the end, that's the difference of going into the, the last quarter, last drive, being up 14 or being up seven, giving them that chance to that last drive, that, that, that last – uh, seven routes to Edelman, and uh, we, we, we defensively we rose up to the occasion, but we made it a lot closer than we had to be just because of one miscommunication between uh, the center and the guard or the person protector, whoever it was, um, those type of things, they, they come back to haunt you, and in the postseason, those things send you home. Yeah, and, and to your point, that that get that that single play could be the difference of boiling it down. You, you're winning that game 30 to seven, or you're sweating out Breland making a heck of a play um, on the coverage on Edelman. All right. That being said, though, one thing Denver, and again, we're talking BDAD here before Drew AD, AD, yeah. AD after Drew, because in my analysis of this team, it's like I'm just forgetting the first 11 weeks. I'm looking at these two weeks of That's Drew right. Locke. But one thing you that is the difference of that is special teams. Denver's next to last in the league in opponent kickoff return average. They've allowed a 72-yard kickoff return, and usually one return like that will skew the whole business. They're also 27th in average punt return allowed. McCall Hardman's been real close, yes, real close to popping one. He's real close last week to popping one. It seems like he's gaining more and more confidence and getting more and more and more understanding. But as a returner, blocking, the penalties have dropped on special teams. That's been good to see. But Hartman, Hartman now, well into the season, 
I just feel like there's one of these returns coming and maybe going to the house. Yeah, he's kind of evolving as being like that missing link, right? He's evolving his 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 game not only to be that third receiver or or just a specialty gig, you know, um, 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 play for for those. Uh, those gizmo type plays, but in the return game, this guy's—I mean—he's returning some balls where you, you, oh, 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 maybe not, maybe not, and he's taking it for positive yardage. He's keeping us from having to go long fields and shortening our fields down. Um, and what you, what, what I know from McCole Hartman's standpoint is when Coach Tobes has so much confidence when he fumbled to keep putting them back in there. Uh, when he when he when he caught one inside the the ten yard line and everybody wondered why did you why did you catch that? You got to let that one go. What did Coach Tobes do? Put him back in there. He said, this guy has so much talent. I got to let him know that I got confidence in him. I got faith in him. He can keep it going. He needs to feel these returns. He needs to go out there and feel them in game so he can progress and become a better and better returner. And he's done phenomenal with that opportunity. And I think he's at a point now where he's about to break that baby wide open. Yeah, now we go to the fourth quarter, and a kind of a shortened version here of Defending the Kingdom. It's December football dash Denver week. And the fourth quarter's kind of uh, of our podcast here, brought to you by 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs, is a 30,000-foot view of the, of, the, of the Kansas City Chiefs that I don't think a lot of national folks have really dug in and looked at because there's some characteristics of this team that deserve mention. One, all of the time that has been missed by starters. If you look at the original 22 starters in the Jacksonville game week one, I think 14 of those 22 have been out and almost two – uh, it is two complete games, and mm-hmm. yet this team has persevered. Secondly, they have beaten Baltimore. They have beaten New England, and they've beaten Minnesota, and they beat Minnesota with Matt Moore. That's 30-9 and nine in those three teams. Yes, there were the hiccup losses. I got to understand, but they've won the division. Now everything's in play for a two-seed, maybe a one. But this is a team that is, that is kind of – we're going to end this podcast kind of the way we started it. Shop, what's impressive about this team that I think has been underrated has its been ability to persevere and navigate a lot of icebergs here and maybe, just maybe, start to hit the open seas. Yeah, when facing some of the toughest division, uh, divisional opponents, when some of the toughest conference opponents, you've seen this team not shy away. They've gone into places, they've gone face teams, and they, and they, they don't rely on what, what they used to do back in the past. They didn't rely on a 2018 uh, nope. offense. They've come into uh, buildings and gone facing teams, and they've got toe-to-toe with them and punched them in the mouth. That's the one thing you've seen over and over. This team has not backed away from anybody in any phase of the game. They take it right to you, no matter who's behind center, whether it was Matt Moore, whether it was Pat Mahomes, no matter who's lining up at wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, they realize who they got, who's in the backfield. I don't care who's in the backfield. We got a running back. He's able. We're going to run the ball. We're going to try to run the ball. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play sound, tough, aggressive, in-your-face defense, and we're going to grow as a team each week because now when it comes to end-of-the-season playoff football, you're going to see our best shot, and you're going to see how commanding and demanding it is for you to try to come uh, in the arrowhead or on the road to beat one of Andy Reid's uh, most prepared team, I think, almost in the history of his career. But to beat this team, it's going to take not only another team's best effort, it's going to take some miscues by the Chiefs. And the way they've been playing a week ago, you know, two weeks ago, a zero penalty game, uh, and the way they're playing with the, with the lack of miscues, it's going to be very hard for somebody to up, uh, 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 unravel what the Chiefs have built here. There's more muscle mass to this team. There's some scar tissue. Yeah, scar tissue. And they've ah. worked through it. They've worked through it. Here's the thing, too. Do I italicize and put in big font what you've just said? 
I'm not sure they've had enough credit this year. People go, hey, why would they're three and three at home? They are six and one away from home. That's five and a five and one in true road games, and then the game in Mexico City. That tells you something about the mental, physical, and emotional fiber of this team that gives them a shot the rest of December and into January. Yeah, the one thing that people don't want to realize is that where is the Super Bowl played? At home or on the road? For 31 teams, it's on the road. So if you wanted to have the choice to be better on the road and or at home, make it, you so. better be great on the road and be able to take a, yep. a, a a formula that can travel and win anywhere. And that's the one thing we've seen this season. The Chiefs, can, they're, they're formed playing tough defense, uh, a high uh, effective offense. Uh, Pat Mahomes doing what he can do, whether on one leg, two legs, with one hand, it doesn't matter. He's still the MVP. Um, with all those offensive threats and the foot of one Harrison butt kicker, man, you mix that all up and I'm going to bake you a playoff cake that's ready to win a Super Bowl. I'm glad you mentioned butt kicker because he has been money for the last month other than the blocked uh, field goal against Tennessee. So here we go. It's December football dash Denver week. You can say one of those two things and you got a show in and of itself. You put them together. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be fun. It is on Chiefs and Broncos. Chiefs try to go to 26-3 and against the division since the beginning of 2015. He's Sean Barber, 10-year veteran of the National Football League, a.k.a. Shop, a.k.a. Barbershop, a.k.a. the Spider-Man. Mitch Holtis with you, voice of the Chiefs. I'll see you at the stadium. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs Official Podcast Network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.